0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about what that blast of air you feel when you walk into certain stores is, microbes that survive in the desert by dissolving rocks with acid, and the latest science about how we learn, with help from renowned cognitive neuroscientist Stanislas DeHaan. Let's satisfy some
0: curiosity. You know how sometimes you'll walk into a mall or a big box store and you get hit with a big gust of wind, and your hair gets all windswept like you're on Baywatch. So glamorous. Well, I always thought that was the air conditioning or heat vents. But it's not! What you're feeling is called an air curtain, and it actually serves a very specific purpose. Yes, that windswept supermodel moment exists to save energy and, yes, money. Actually, I was so excited when I found this out.
1: I remember. It's great. I didn't know it either. It's super cool.
0: Right? So air curtains are really simple devices. A fan pulls air into a unit mounted above an entrance and blades shaped like airplane wings direct it down like a waterfall of air across the width of the door. That forms a jet stream that keeps cool air in and warm air out during the summer and vice versa in the winter. An air curtain also keeps things from outside from getting inside, like pollen, insects, vehicle exhaust, and other pollutants. The downward stream of air produces a surprisingly effective barrier. An air curtain can back up a physical door and act as a second line of defense, and only turn on when the physical door opens. That's the way most malls keep their AC bill down. But air curtains also work when there's no door at all. A lot of warehouse stores like Costco rely on air curtains as the only separation between inside and out. And like I said, they save a lot of energy. An industry study used modeling software to see how an air curtain would affect a hypothetical building's energy consumption. The researchers found that in all eight climate zones they assessed across the country, it saved energy. And that was especially apparent in chillier places, where a single door with an air curtain saved even more energy than a vestibule door. That's where you have to open two doors and walk through a tiny room to get into a building. One small caveat though, that study was conducted by a trade group of companies that make air curtains, so take that with a grain of salt. Still, the next time you walk into a building and notice a nice cool puff of air, take a moment to enjoy it. It might feel good. I mean, air curtains usually do, but it's also saving a little energy. I kind of want an air curtain now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There are microbes that survive in the desert by dissolving rocks with acid. So hardcore, right? The microbes I'm talking about live in the very driest parts of the Atacama Desert in Chile. There's almost no water here, and yet somehow there's life. Streaks of blue green cyanobacteria live inside chunks of gypsum that can go years without ever seeing a drop of rain. And scientists have just figured out where and how the bacteria get the water they need to survive. It all comes down to the chemical structure of gypsum. The mineral is made of calcium, sulfur, and oxygen, and sometimes water. The molecules have one way of arranging themselves when water's there and another way of arranging themselves when there's not a drop to be found. The two molecular arrangements form different kinds of crystals, which geologists call phases. Here's why that's so important. Researchers have just found evidence that these cyanobacteria are able to live off the water molecules in the rock itself, thanks to some incredible evolutionary ingenuity. They make an acid that eats away at the gypsum, which gives the organism access to any precious water molecules that are stored inside it. The cyanobacteria form a thin layer called a biofilm, just beneath the surface of the rock. They can survive there because gypsum is translucent enough to let in enough sunlight for photosynthesis. Based on experiments, the researchers think organic acids in the biofilm react with the gypsum and make it release water molecules from its molecular structure. Once the bacteria have sucked up all the water there is to drink, They go dormant until there's more water to be had. This is a big deal for a couple of reasons. First off, it might give us a hint about the life that could exist, or could have existed, on Mars. The Atacama Desert is so similar to the Martian landscape that NASA has used it to test out prototypes of rovers we might one day send to the Red Planet, which definitely has water and probably has gypsum. The findings might have an effect closer to home, too. The researchers were really impressed by the bacteria's ability to switch in and out of dormancy based on the presence of tiny amounts of water. They think further study might help engineers develop technologies for water storage that humans could use in extreme environments on Earth or beyond. But whatever happens, don't underestimate microbes. There are some hardcore little organisms out there that will live anywhere and do anything to survive.
0: You know, those are pretty hardcore cyanobacteria, but can they crawl through an air curtain? I don't think so. (laughs) We're going to get a little meta today and learn about how humans learn, with some help from one of Europe's leading cognitive neuroscientists. Stanislas Dahan is the director of the Cognitive Neuroimaging Unit in France and author of How We Learn, Why Brains Learn Better Than Any Machine, for now. His research has not only revealed new insights into how we learn, but also demonstrated how those insights can help us teach machines to learn better, too. Let's start with a little background on what we've learned lately about learning.
2: Well, one of the things that I argue in the book that we have learned is to go beyond the nature-nurture debate. You know, we realize now that uh, the the human learning abilities are 100% nature and 100% nurture. The learning algorithm of the human brain, first of all, is uh, driven by the genome. We have a specific brain architecture, which is different from the chimpanzees and which allows us to learn better. And it's also based upon foundational abilities, what we call core knowledge, that are present in every child of the human species, and that serve as the foundation for later learning next. So the idea of the child as a blank slate is completely gone now. Uh, We all know that infants have uh, very nice abilities, even in abstract domains, like a sense of number or a sense of probability, which already put infants on the way to mathematics. I describe this in the book because I think it's important. It provides a foundation for uh, school topics, such as uh, the acquisition of arithmetic or even higher-level mathematics. When we scan people who have learned uh, mathematics in school, we find that they are still using the same circuits that infants use in order to recognize that there's two objects and not three in front of them. It's a circuit which is foundational for math that starts with the sense of number and capitalizes on this and the sense of space and geometry in order to create the sense of mathematics.
1: So it's all interrelated. It's not really about what we're born with and what we learn. It's all, it all works together.
2: Yes, uh, very much so. It's uh, uh, an algorithm which has been described in computer science. I think there's a lot of efforts to mimic the human brain. Uh, We're not quite there yet, but uh, the algorithm is called Bayesian learning. The idea is that you start with a hypothesis, you start with what is called a prior, uh, but then the evidence that you get from the outside world adds to this prior, allows you to select uh, hypotheses which are correct, and to discard those which are incorrect, and to combine. Converge on a better model of the world. In a sense, uh, the way we describe the brain today is to think of it as a scientist. The the child is like a scientist with uh, having hypotheses, a priori, but also the ability to test these hypotheses against the external world. And this is true even of the infant. If you see an infant playing with objects, maybe throwing objects off of its table, he's experimenting with gravity and he's learning about the behavior of objects in a gravitational field just like a scientist.
0: Who knew little babies were such good scientists? Again, Stanislas Dehaene's newest book is called How We Learn: Why Brains Learn Better Than Any Machine for now. You can find a link to pick it up in today's show notes. And check out tomorrow's episode to learn about the four pillars of learning and how they can help you learn new things.
1: All right, well, let's recap the main things we learned today. Starting with the fact that that blast of air you feel when you walk into a store has a name. It's called an air curtain, and it's there to save energy and money.
0: We also learned that researchers found cyanobacteria that dissolve rocks using acid so it can slurp up the rock's water molecules. And that could be how life on Mars used to exist, or maybe even how it currently exists. Speaking of NASA, fun fact, the Atacama Desert is also what Smithsonian Magazine calls an astronomer's paradise. Because of the dry desert atmosphere and where it is, it experiences more than 200 cloudless nights every year. Like, no clouds. Wow. Yeah, there are actually multiple observatories in and around the Atacama Desert because... 200 cloudless nights per year. <laughs> that's that's pretty good conditions for looking up there.
1: Yeah, South America has a lot of telescopes, probably for that reason. I just reread Contact, and they detected an alien signal at the Arecibo Observatory, which is in Puerto Rico.
0: There you go. Makes you want to visit. I'm just going to have to remember to pack a bottle of water.
1: And we learned that neuroscience says that infants are not a blank slate. And they actually use the same circuits in their brains that elementary school students are using when they're in math class. Turns out human learning abilities are both nature and nurture.
0: Yeah. And I like the tie in with Bayesian learning in computer science, which is that idea that you start with a hypothesis, then add evidence to add it to that hypothesis. And that helps you figure out what hypothesis is correct and discard the wrong ones. It's just cool to know that like babies are doing that even when they're just playing with random objects.
1: Your baby's going to be a little scientist, Cody.
0: I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Today's stories were written by Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily.
1: Today's episode was produced and edited by Cody Goff.
0: Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes.
1: And until then, stay curious.